Welcome to Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to talk about Season 1, Episode 4 of Charmed Classic, Dead Man Dating. Yeah, Dead Man Dating. Um, So we have a segment every week, (laughs) and I think this is the first week where it's really going to pay off. You mean premonitions? I do mean premonitions. Yeah, I foresee a very big guest star for this episode. Yeah, definitely. A, a, a big before he was famous guest star on this one. Yeah. So this episode was written by Javier Grillo Marcouch. Didn't he also do the last one? Is he a regular series writer on this now? He has written 22 episodes of this show, yes. Uh, and it looks like they're all pretty early on. Yeah, he mostly wrote for the first three seasons. Hmm. I wonder if he was a Constance M. Burge hire. Oh, I guess that would make sense. I was associating it with, um, you know, the Prue years. Yeah. But you're right. It makes more sense that he was a Constance M. Burge person. Before he got, you know, Constance M. Purged. That's disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, this episode was directed by Richard Compton. He also directed uh, three episodes of Charmed, including this one. Uh, he's a pretty prolific director. Yeah, you know, he's he worked on uh, Hercules' Legendary Journey. He worked on Home Improvement, Babylon 5. Uh, also, he directed the pilot for Baywatch, Baywatch Panic at Malibu Pier. Wow. Oh, he did, he did the TV movie that got adapted into the pilot. Yeah. God. You know, I weirdly feel like that prepared him for certain types of Charmed episodes. Mm. Mm. Weirdly, not the Constance and Burge episodes. Yeah. So, I remember liking this episode more than I did. I still like it, but it's a lot more awkward than I remember it. Right? I liked this episode. Um, yeah, there's a lot of... I was secondhand embarrassment cringing at a lot of the romance in this episode. But see, the thing is, that sort of works in its favor because it feels uncomfortably real. It's it's as cringy as a real romance would be between a witch and a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. Oh, oh no. I mean, the title of the episode is Dead Man Dating. Yes. So the episode opens with Prue rehashing her relationship with Andy again. Okay, look, you said that all exasperated, but it's helpful because I am not sure from one episode to the next what is going on with Prue and Andy's relationship. Okay, so it ended with they were definitely dating again last episode, even though she ditched him to go on that weird dinner date with her dad that he ended up ditching out on, but it was okay because he left them a tape of Christmas that one time. Yeah, where Alyssa Milano was their mother. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they're definitely dating now. And I guess we're picking up from where we picked up in... It was either the pilot or the second episode. No, it was the second episode. So we're picking up where they picked up in the second episode where they decided that they're dating, but they're taking it slow. After they slept together. They slept together in the second episode and decided that that was the end of their old relationship and that they were starting a new relationship. Yes. And Andy really, really, really wants to sleep with Prue again. Yeah, he gives her a present, and it's a little blue box, which looks like it's supposed to be Tiffany's, but is not Tiffany's. And when Prue opens it up, it is a key to the spa that he wants to take her to over the weekend how does that work exactly why why does he have a key before they check in why does a spa have a key i'm assuming it's like a hotel too but yeah i mean that's presumably to like the cabin or whatever that they're gonna stay in over the weekend 
or not not cabin because you're right it is a hotel and he tells her that he got them adjoining rooms because no pressure but also he really 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 wants to sleep with her <laughs> he uh he does clarify that it has been over a month since they last slept together so we know it's been a month since uh, over a month since the second episode yeah over a month since they decided to take it slow hmm he really thought he was going to have sex with her last episode before all of the dad stuff went down. And honestly, kind of during when all the dad stuff was going down. I don't know what's going on with Andy this episode. Like, he's so stiff and everything he says to her sounds so unnatural. Honestly, this is what I remembered Andy being like for the whole show. I was surprised how much I liked Andy when we uh, restarted watching because this is the guy I remember. Oh, yeah. So this might just be his characterization from now on. Oh, great. Uh, well, it's okay. He doesn't last. Yeah. Speaking of... Speaking of not lasting, we cut from him to Baby John Cho! Oh my god. It, it is really Baby John Cho. Uh, he is leaving his house and having a conversation with his mother while he leaves. And we learn that today is his 23rd birthday. Aww. And she's like, hey, you should take this protection uh, thing because there's a lot of hungry spirits out there that are definitely going to want to eat your soul. And he's like, mom, no one's going to eat my soul. Mom. Which he also says, kind of foreshadowingly, maybe the ghosts need protection from me. Mm. If you think about what happens at the very end of the episode. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. To be fair to John Cho blowing off his mother's concerns, I don't think bringing that little protection thing would have actually stopped what happens to him from happening to him. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I mean, it might have protected him from the spirit that's stalking him later. Maybe. I don't know. Would objects you were carrying on your physical body protect your soul? Well, I mean, they're magical. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how this works. I mean, I guess his ghost body is wearing the same clothes that his human body was wearing when it got killed. So yeah, but we learn later that those amulets... Deflect ghosts, so he would just be bouncing all over the place if he was wearing it when he died. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So we see John Cho walking through Chinatown in San Francisco. Now, San Francisco has a really active Chinese community, which I don't think really factors into the show after this point at all but it is nice to it is sort of a nice location specific thing to acknowledge that san francisco does have a large chinese community it's actually kind of jarring to see it here because of how much san francisco is not a character in this show yeah like there's that one golden gate bridge set in the later seasons but that's it this is a show that could literally happen in any city I think we go many seasons before getting a gay character, a one-episode, one-shot gay character in <laughs> San Francisco. Well, I mean, it's 1999. Yeah, but it's San Francisco. You'd expect, at bare minimum, cheap jokes. Yeah, especially for a show made in the 90s slash early 2000s. You know, I don't really think that they... I mean, you're right. They don't really do anything with the fact that they're in San Francisco ever. I know! That's what I'm saying. I mean, this yeah. show could take place in Utah or Albuquerque, and it would make no difference. But it is nice that this one episode, at least... Yeah, except for this episode, yeah. <laughs> which is good to see. Now, he's going 
somewhere i don't think we ever actually find out where he's going but he decides that the best way to get to this place is to go through a very very abandoned back alley right he cuts straight from a street that's literally full of people to a back alley where he is immediately jumped by a gang yeah he is surrounded by guys now and they know who he is. They know who he is, and they know that it's his birthday today. Which is weird to me, because I really thought that this was just, like, wrong place, wrong time, as far as what happens to him. Yeah. But no, they specifically sought him out, and then he helped them out by walking down an abandoned alley. I don't get why they specifically sought out this guy, either. We'll get an explanation later, but as for right now, this is a gang, and they shoot John Cho. Yes, the leader of the gang says, uh, tells him to make a wish and then shoots him in the chest. And then we see ghost John Cho rise out of John Cho's dead body. Yeah, he, I mean, he's upset, but he also sort of gets the situation really quickly. (laughs) He's like, oh, oh no. Yeah. So the gang leader puts his own ring on John Cho's body and then covers him in gasoline and sets him on fire. Which is a disturbing thing to watch happen to your body. Yeah. God, this is just not John Cho's day. This is a really dark moment for an episode of Charmed. Seriously. Especially because this isn't a demonic thing. These are just human guys being terrible. You know, last episode we said something about how the show doesn't really have human villains. And... I kind of wish the supernatural aspect, the supernatural threat that we get later in the episode, I sort of wish it wasn't part of the episode, that it was just about the sisters solving this guy's murder. Yeah, I mean, that would have been a completely different episode, because he knows right away who killed him. The question is, you know, this supernatural threat that's putting a clock on him. Yeah, but I feel like that's the only thing the supernatural threat gives, is a clock for you need to get x done by y yeah although i guess it wouldn't be very witchy if uh, we didn't have you have to get x done by y well i don't know i mean we see phoebe's plot this episode is very it has no supernatural threat to it phoebe's plot this episode is stopping a guy from getting hit by a car a guy who's a real asshole by the way yeah i mean uh I, i'm not johnny premonition sender but thinking whoever's sending the premonitions could have found something better for her to do i mean it would be nice if whoever was sending the premonitions would have saved john cho instead since he seemed like a genuinely nice guy and not this asshole yeah what the fuck premonitions after the opening credits we go to piper who is getting ready for prue's surprise birthday and she's irritated because she finds all of the invitations that apparently phoebe should have mailed a week ago and by the way Piper is a freaking monster because she's putting glitter in the envelopes that she's sending the invitations in. Isn't that something you do to people you don't like? Right? Like, you can literally... There's a service that will send just envelopes filled with glitter to people you don't like. Phoebe comes into the room and Piper's like, Phoebe, you were supposed to send out these invitations. And Phoebe's like, whatever, her birthday's not till Friday. She's got time. Which... I don't think those invitations are going to get to the places they're supposed to go by then, even. No, I I don't either. Well, I mean, we don't know what day of the week it is, but... I mean, given the timeline of this episode... Yeah, I mean, it's like Thursday. Yeah. So, Piper asks if Phoebe's 
you know, going to get Prue a present this year. and Or if she's going to do what she always does, which is give the person a card three days late. And Phoebe's like, I'm going to get her a present. Jeez. And Piper's like, with what money? It's Did- like, Jesus Christ, Piper. Get on her case for not getting a present. Get on her case for getting a present. Like, Is it like, I mean, she was working at your restaurant recently. She could have money from that. Oh, Piper wasn't paying her. Okay, so not to uh, dig up last episode, but we never got any explanation as to where Victor Hallowell's new money came from. Oh, yeah, we just found out that he only recently came into it. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. I was going to say what's weird is that this present that Phoebe is going to get for Prue is a plot point. It's why she gets a job. It's why she's so obsessed with, like, saving money this episode. We never actually find out what it is. Yeah, because... She's not very good at the job that she does. Or, alternatively, she's too good at the job that she does get. We'll talk about that. We'll get to it. So Prue comes into the room, and Phoebe immediately pivots conversation topics. She's like, so, how'd your date with Andy go? And Prue's like, well, he invited me away for the weekend, and I really, really, really want to have sex with him, but I can't because I'm a witch, blah, 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 blah. Oh my god, just have sex with him. Seriously. Like, yeah, you're a witch, but eh. And then Piper, by the way, gets upset because Prue might go away for the weekend with Andy, which will ruin her surprise party plans. So she's all like, oh, you shouldn't go away with him. It will definitely ruin your relationship. And she's just like really, really killing Prue's buzz because she wants to throw a party. A party which, by the way, Prue is like, are you throwing a surprise party for me? Because you know I hate surprise parties. Yeah, it's it's not it's not great. And Phoebe's like, no, it's just you need a week to prepare for a weekend away. And do you want him to look at you being all, you know, 90 Shannon Doherty? I know, right? Then Prue leaves the room and Phoebe and Piper have a little fight about it because Piper's position is that if Phoebe had mailed out the invitations, Andy would know about the surprise party and wouldn't have done this. And Phoebe's position is, good thing I didn't mail out the invitations, because she's definitely going to go bone Andy instead of our party. Yeah, which would be more enjoyable for her. Right? Ugh. But Phoebe says that she is the lead on a job, and there's no way she'd be getting... I guess she's getting paid in tips at this job, because I was thinking there's no way she's getting her first paycheck before Prue's birthday. Well, she gets tips. She's also paid. Yeah. But... I'm assuming it's like when I worked at that theater and almost all my income came from tips. Yeah, it's probably the same. So she's applying to be a psychic at a hotel. I don't think I've ever been to a hotel that had a psychic. Is that a thing? No, in fact, it's okay. He takes care of it. The manager of the hotel who's talking to her specifically says, we're the only hotel that has a psychic. Huh, okay. Fair, fair, fair. Well covered, charmed. Also, I just want to point out that he's wearing a Nehru jacket. He is. That's not going to be my this is so 90s, early 2000s thing, but it could be. He looks like he would be a demon in a later episode. He definitely does. Okay, so initially he doesn't want to hire Phoebe because he's like, well, what's your shtick? And she's like, "Uh, my shtick is that I'm genuinely a psychic. And he's like, yeah, no, I need someone who's got like an act. (laughs) That's, That's how being a psychic works, especially, you know, a performative hotel psychic. Right. But... Instead of taking no for an answer, Phoebe grabs onto him and has a vision 
of him getting caught that night when he's out with his mistress, getting caught by his wife. Okay, so this episode is the most powerful Phoebe's precognitive powers ever are in this show. Yeah, it's almost like she's able to control them, and she seems to have one with every single person who comes to her as a psychic. Yeah, she can touch a person and then look into their future, which is never something we ever see her be able to do again in the show. To my knowledge, I don't really remember the latest. No, I mean well. it's never this consistent. And honestly, it's probably too useful. That's probably why they went back to just her having the premonitions. Yeah, well, I, it's funny you said it's too useful. You meant for the show. Also, it doesn't make a good hotel psychic. You know what people want to hear when they go to a hotel psychic? They want to hear what they want to hear. Yeah, they want to hear big, life-changing, exciting things are on the horizon, not. You're going to go to your office job, work at your office job, and eventually die. Ugh. Grim. Grim. So, uh, in in New Charmed, Phoebe's character actually has a tactile mind-reading power. So when she touches someone, she can read their mind? Yes. But. Oh, no. In the new season, since they decided to change everything around, now she can see the future. A person's future or just the future in general? I think it's a person's future. I think they're doing, I I think the thing was, oh, your powers are changing now that they're coming back since we went through this magic plot changing portal hole at the beginning of the season and it made everything different, so. Okay. Uh, New Charmed. Yeah. So, we Wasted potential the show! So we cut back from that to Piper and Prue having a conversation over the phone about why Prue definitely can't go out with Andy and- Now Piper is saying that it's because Phoebe has bought her a present, so she can't go away on Friday. She can go away on Saturday, but she can't go away on Friday because she needs to be there so Phoebe can give her her present. And Piper's wandering around the kitchen looking at just things around, and she sees that Phoebe had circled a want ad for psychics at... It just says psychics wanted and then has a phone number, which is sketchy as all get out. Yeah, right. I mean, I would assume if I saw that ad in a newspaper that it was for, like, a psychic hotline. Oh, yeah, that that would be the immediate place I would go. But I don't know how she managed to find where Phoebe was working just off of the phone. I guess she probably called the phone number. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So we go back to Phoebe in a I Dream of Genie outfit. I have so many questions. I mean... Was this outfit supplied by the hotel? Did did Phoebe come up with this idea? If this was Phoebe's idea, where did she get this costume? Why did anyone think this is a good idea? Do they think that Jeannie from I Dream of Jeannie is a psychic? Because she's not. I'm guessing it's something the hotel supplied to her just because her psychic hat thing looks kind of like a pink bedazzled bellhop hat. Oh my god, it does. She also has, like, little stick-on jewels under her eyes. It's, it's, it's a look. It's a lot of look. So she's with a wealthy client. They even have a little poster with her face on it. It says, The Amazing Phoebe. God. So she's with a woman and she's like, I see you at a Weight Watchers meeting and you've gained weight. Oh, I'm sorry. And... The woman's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? The woman gets really, really upset about this. The woman is very bitchy about it, but also 
that's not what you want to hear from a hotel psychic. <laughs> but also, also, I feel like usually when a person goes to a psychic, they have a question. Yeah, it's not a, just a general, so tell me what's up thing. What do you see? That's, no. Yeah, so the woman gets very upset and stalks off, uh, leaving room for Piper to stalk up and be like, hey, so... This is really, really, really not what we're supposed to be doing with our powers. Personal gain is a thing. And Phoebe's like, it's not personal gain. I'm doing this so I can make money to buy a gift for Prue. Uh, that's that's iffy. I mean, it, it's so you can buy a gift for Prue. It, it's like, just because you're doing it for someone else, it, it's still like, I don't know. It feels like you're cheating here but also it seems very unfair that they're expected to run around and save innocence in a way that's going to put any normal job prospects out of reach for them and yet they're not allowed to use their powers to have money to live also i mean if we're taking it from that angle piper you used your powers to get the job you currently got Ooh, good point phoebe should definitely have thrown that point back at her Piper's also upset because she says that, you know, Phoebe's not supposed to let people know she's a witch. And Phoebe rightly points out they don't think she's a witch. They think she's a psychic. And honestly, they probably don't think that either. Yeah. She's wearing an I Dream of Jeannie costume. <laughs> they probably think that she was hired for her figure. Yes. Because, again, 90s Alyssa Milano. Yes. And honestly, current Alyssa Milano. Yes. And Alyssa Milano and all of the times in between those two things. <laughs> While they're having this argument, John Cho comes up to them and is like, hey, who's the psychic? And they're both like, shut up. And he's like, wait, you can both see me? And they're like, go away. Go, go, leave, leave. And he's like, no, no, see, I've been looking for a psychic because, and they're like, which phoebe you're working i know right well her boss comes up and yells at her and is like you have customers waiting which is odd because he can't see john joe well i assume there are other customers some other place off screen yeah um i just want to point out that this is what happens in ghost patrick swayze has to find a psychic who is actually psychic and not a charlatan who can see him uh and he finds Whoopi Goldberg. And he finds Whoopi Goldberg. And then he possesses her to have sex with uh, What's-Her-Face. With her permission. Do yeah. more. It's it's a little disappointing that we don't cut through. Because she's having sex with Whoopi Goldberg's body. Okay, they don't actually have sex. They just dance together. Mm. Anyway. I don't know why he doesn't assume that Piper's a client who's just also upset with Phoebe. Um, I don't know. I No, I think you can look at the two of them and be like, oh yeah, these are sisters. This is what a sister fight looks like. So he shoes Piper away and Piper stalks out and John Cho's like, okay, her. And he follows her and he's like, hey, you need to help me. No one can see me. And she's like, yeah, whatever. Why don't you go sober up drunky? Which is sort of a weird assumption to make. Yeah. And also later, Phoebe thinks he was drunk too. She refers to him as the drunk guy. He's not acting drunk at all. It's weird. Anyway. I do like that. Piper pulls out a thing of mace from her pocket, and she's like, "Like, leave me alone. Leave me alone now. And then a bicyclist bicycles through uh, John Cho, and she's like, oh. Yeah. Also, you're a witch. Why are you not believing someone is a ghost? Yeah. Like, you've been doing this for over a month now. <sighs> we go from there to Quake, where Andy is having 
lunch. I guess it's lunchtime, right? Yeah. Yeah. Andy is having lunch with a woman, a a blonde woman. A blonde, it, a blonde woman who's wearing uh, Rachel's nightie from that one episode of Friends. Oh, yeah, where she was wearing lingerie and then tried to pass it off like it was a dress. Yeah. 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 That is 100% what she's wearing. Also, her lunch with Andy is very cozy, considering that what we find out is that she is Andy's ex-wife. Yeah, they're both sitting on the same side of the table. And they're, like, super close to each other. Like, I wasn't going to judge Andy at first for this, but then I'm like, you know what? Because he introduces her to Prue. He's like, Prue, this is Jessica Trudeau. And Prue's like, sister? And she's like, wife. Which, Prue, you, you grew up with Andy. You should know if he has a sister. I was I thought you were going to say you should know that he got married and divorced. That's definitely the kind of thing your parents would tell you. Oh, you remember Andy? He got married. Oh, you remember Andy? He got divorced. Well, in this case, Piper. I guess maybe Graham's. Yeah. She totally would have told her. Oh, yeah, because Graham's fucking hates men. So she would have been like, hey, you know that guy you dated? Guess what he fucking did? Yeah, exactly. But Prue is outraged. And I just want to point out, Andy, no matter what this lunch looks like, Andy is not doing anything untoward. You know how I know that? How? He's at Prue's sister's restaurant. It's true. That's that's as public as you can be. And he doesn't try to weasel around it at all. He's like, hey, Prue, this is this is my ex-wife, Jessica. Her name is Susan. Susan. But, yeah, he's like, yeah, she's my ex-wife. We're friends. Because we're mature adults. And then Prue telekinetically throws a dessert tray at him. And he's like, what did I do? Yeah, and she storms off. I, I, I... Prue is totally in the wrong on this in this episode, I just have to say. Also, this is the second time andy has knocked over a giant thing of food at quake i would not be surprised if he gets banned from quake in the near future honestly if piper wasn't running it he might be banned already you don't just go into the kitchen and knock into waiters right that was not okay it's because he's a cop that they let him get away with that shit yeah so back with piper and john cho john cho is mark 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 is taking piper to his body he explains that it's very important that they find the body and... Get him buried the proper way. Because if he's not buried the proper way, there is a dude who runs around collecting souls and he'll take his soul and drag him to hell. Yama. Yama. And Piper's like, but, I mean, you seem like a nice enough guy. And he's like, yeah, Yama doesn't really care about that. He just wants improperly buried souls. I want to point out that Piper is right to be confused. Like, are you telling me that there is a demon who will stalk your soul based on what folklore you grew up with? Because it's not even, like, what you believe is real. Like, you believe it, therefore that's the heaven you go to or that's the hell you go to. John Cho didn't believe this until Yama showed up to take his soul. He just knows what's going on because it's the story his mother told him. So this soul taker is bound by the folk stories you heard as a child? I mean... Honestly, I feel like that's kind of consistent with Charmed. I mean, later we get that Romani woman who's being hunted down by a spirit, the one who ends up being Piper's midwife. And she talks about how, like, she she grew up with this, but she never believed it, and she became, uh, like, she left and she became a doctor. Okay, I guess it's consistent. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, you're tied to whatever culture you grew up with, no matter what your actual beliefs are. Yeah. So, 
They come across John Cho's horribly burned body, but before they can do anything, Yama appears. Oh. Having a guy on horseback, I'm guessing this may have been for accuracy's sake, but it's, uh... It's hard to not look ridiculous. Yeah, they have to do it in slow motion because it's a guy who's riding up in an alley and it just, it, it doesn't look great. I do appreciate the fact that Mark, he doesn't because he can't touch her, but he kind of pushes Piper behind him. It's a, and he's like, look, you need to get out of here. This is like, just let him take me. Just get out of here. And she's like, uh, no. And she freezes Yama and he's like, what? And she's like, I'm a witch. That's how come I can see you even though you're a ghost. He's like, oh, neat. I do like his expression. Like, he's trying to get her out of there, but when Yama starts writing up, he has this uh, expression, which is just... John Cho's great. I love John Cho. John Cho is great. Piper freezes Yama long enough for the two of them to get away. So, two interesting things. Mm -hmm. Yama can be frozen, even though he's a demon and or god of hell. And also, they can just run away from him. Well... I mean, it makes sense that if he's a demon, he can be frozen. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that makes sense. And we've never seen evidence that Piper can't freeze gods. Yeah, I guess that's true, too. Huh. So, Piper goes home with the ghost, although she has him wait in the parlor when she goes to talk to her sisters. And she finds Prue and Phoebe having a shower argument. Oh, yeah. So, Prue's just gotten out of the shower. And she is arguing with Phoebe, who is also just wrapped in a in a bathrobe. Yeah. About the fact that she doesn't want a surprise party. Which, fair. And then they start relitigating her relationship with Andy, which... I just, I just have to throw in there before we get too deep. Uh, directed by a man episode. Yes. You, you know what this reminds me of? What? This reminds me of um, in Scream 2, when they're watching the movie at the beginning that is supposed to be Scream. Yeah. Except the Drew Barrymore character, instead of being in the kitchen, is in the shower. But they still have the shot with the popcorn burning. That's that's what this is right now. You know, in universe, the whole, I think it's Shriek in universe, that's in terrible taste. A bunch of people actually died, and then they made a series of slasher movies about those real-life deaths. Well, actually, a lot of horror movies are at least partially inspired by real-life both Psycho and Texas Chainsaw Massacre are based on Ed Gein. I guess. I mean, you're right. It's in poor taste, but also it's it's all accurate. House of Wax is based on real murders. Jesus. Ugh. When's Scream? Well, I guess Scream had that TV show. I was like, when, when's that going to get rebooted? But... Yeah, they already did reboot that. The TV show is actually pretty solid. I will watch the TV show. I loved the first and second movie when I was in high school and then... I got burned by the third one. Oh, God, the third one's so bad. As we all did. What's funny is, I remember after watching the third one with my friends, and we were talking about, like, the rules for the last movie in a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Because the rules that Jamie Kennedy lays out in his posthumous video... Yes, the video he left with his sister. Just in case it turned out that this happened again. <laughs> anyway, the rules that he lays out in that video... We we're talking about it. that's not what the rules for a trilogy really are. So we started talking, okay, what is the rule for the third movie in a trilogy? And we realized it's going to be disappointing. So in a weird meta way, Scream 3 is 
the appropriate third movie. I never got around to seeing Scream 4. I heard that it's like... Spoilers for Scream 4, I guess. But apparently the first half of it plays like... Uh, you know, it's a sequel slash soft reboot, and then it becomes a subversion of the sequel slash soft reboot thing. Like a subversion of the concept of a sequel soft reboot? Yeah. Ooh, okay, I think I definitely need to watch Scream 4 then, because that sounds like right up my alley. Do you mind spoilers for it? You know I don't. Okay, spoilers for, like, skip ahead like 15 seconds if you don't want to be spoiled for Scream 4. The girl who uh, is being set up as the final girl to replace Sydney during the first part of the movie, ends up being the killer. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. So, back to Charmed. Prue and Phoebe are horrified to see John Cho in the house, and Phoebe says, it's the drunk from the hotel. Why Why would you think drunk? Right? Oh, also, I just have to say, I said that Phoebe was in a bathrobe. She's just in a terrible voluminous cardigan that I thought was a bathrobe. Uh. I don't want to uh, give the wrong impression now. But Piper's like, he's a ghost. And Prue's like, what? No, no, he's not. He's a dude. And she, Piper picks up a coffee cup and throws it through Mark. She totally no-sells it, too. She just, like, underhand tosses it through him and it, like, falls and breaks behind him. And the look on her face is like, I am so done with this conversation. (laughs) It's my favorite moment of the show, I think. You know, I think I might have been a little hard on it at the beginning of the episode, because I remember this being, like, my favorite episode of season one. So uh-huh. I was kind of disappointed on initial rewatch, but going through it again, I-, I am really enjoying the dynamic that's building between Piper and Mark. Yeah. So Piper lets her sisters know that she called the police, let them know about the body. Now she's just waiting for the police to notify John Cho's mother so that she can go and make sure that John Cho's mother buries him and... Then they're all going to be done. They're going to wrap it all up early this week. Yeah. She's like, look, we've got everything all set up. We just need to make sure that Mark gets buried before Yama claims his spirit. Pretty straightforward. Although funerals usually take a bit. Uh, It depends. Uh, Certain traditions require immediate burial. So it is possible to have pretty fast turnarounds for burial. So Phoebe gets a call. Phoebe's like, oh, okay, I guess if the plot's all wrapped up, I'm going to take a call from my boss and, you know, this, that, and the other. I I don't need to be in this scene anymore. Bye. And then Prue's main concern, by the way, is that... When Piper called the police, did she talk to Andy? When you were reporting that horribly charred body you found, did I come up? (laughs) And Piper's like, I didn't talk to Andy, and what's going on with you and Andy this week? And Prue's like, he has an ex-wife. Okay, like, calm down. You all had lives before you got back together, between high school and now. You were also engaged to a dude, Prue. It's... So Mark pops his head through the wall and there's this weird bell sound effect, which is not the sound effect I would have used, but fine. And he's like, so are, are you working on my thing? And Prue's like, uh, don't guys ever knock? And he's like, that's kind of rude. He can't knock, Prue. <laughs> he's a ghost. Oh. Although at least he's having some fun with it. Yeah, I guess. If, if this episode does one thing, though, it makes you think about how many ghosts are watching you while you shower. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the Charmed universe. Definitely in the Charmed universe. So Phoebe has been called in to do psychic things for a very, very rich client. Yes. She needs to tell him good things so that he'll stay longer, which I don't know that that tracks, but it's really just an excuse to get her to the hotel so that she can see a guy at the bar forget his wallet so she can grab his wallet and then have a vision of him being struck by a car in a particularly gruesome manner. Yeah, this, this episode's pretty hardcore. And she's like, oh, I, uh, I need to go warn whoever, whoever's wallet this is that they're about to die horribly. Okay, no, listen, listen. She grabs the wallet, she has the vision, she clearly has a stricken look on her face, and her manager says, what's the matter? And she's like, um, uh, nothing. You're working for him as a psychic. You can say out loud, I had a psychic vision of the owner of this wallet being killed. I have to warn him. Yeah, he apparently, like, he was talking to a different guy, who I think we're supposed to think is the rich client, but he's like, apparently you're actually a real psychic, so I need you to... Like, why are you lying, Phoebe? Just tell him you had a vision. It's so confusing to me. Back at the manor, John Cho is trying to turn on a giant old TV, but he can't. He just goes right through it. Yeah, he keeps poking at the button and his finger goes through the TV, which is such a weird thing. But you know that they just did that because they wanted to uh, use the special effect. Yeah. So Piper asks him how he's doing and he's like... I mean, I'm dead, but other than that, I'm fine, I guess. Piper brought out some blankets to make up the couch for him, and then she's like, oh, right, you're dead. You don't sleep anymore. And he's like, that is correct. I no longer sleep. I don't even get cold. And, okay, the thing is, I genuinely really like them as a couple. They have chemistry. The thing is, it's horribly awkward real-world chemistry, not very sexy TV chemistry. Yeah, no, that's true. Like, they start talking to each other, they realize that they both love food and cooking. So they uh, they sit down on the couch, and basically Piper's going to keep him company since he doesn't sleep and can't turn the TV on. Although apparently can sit on a couch. <laughs> you know what? I don't even worry about that with ghosts. I, Whenever there's a story that involves ghosts... There's usually, even though it doesn't come up in this one, the idea that if you focus hard enough, you can move things. Yeah. Like, you can touch things and affect them. So I always just assume that the reason ghosts can sit on couches and that the reason that they don't sink to the core of the earth is because they're not thinking about that. Yeah. So, and it's it's one of those uh, Wile E. Coyote running over the cliff things. If you bring it up to a ghost, they will fall to the center of the earth and not be able to get out. So it would be rude to bring it up. It would be hard for Yama to get him there. Presumably. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the rules are for Yama. But it's a very cute scene, and I kind of wish that the rest of this show was Piper Hollowell and her ghost boyfriend. Yeah. And, and you don't mean the rest of this episode, you mean the rest of Charmed. Yes. I would much rather have Piper and her ghost boyfriend than Piper and... The guy who's not even in this episode, even though he was introduced at the end of last episode. Yeah, they established Leo, and yet he's not here. No Leo. We're Leo-less. So, I feel bad about saying this, but this is kind of the best romance Piper ever gets in the show, and it's a one-episode one-off right off the bat. It's absolutely true. Because, and this is a thing that I don't think comes up enough in fiction in general, she actually has stuff in common with Mark. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're, 
and she's actually interested in hearing about like how he grew up and like the difference in the way that they came to food yeah and like how she pursued food and he chose to move away from it even though he was passionate about it his family runs a restaurant but he decided to go into science and he's like but i still i love cooking i just didn't want it to be a job and she's like i love cooking and that's why i made it my job and it's it's a really nice point of connection and it's also sort of an awkward yeah well and for both of them cooking is a connection to their family yeah anyway then we go back to phoebe and the worst customer ever yeah she she goes to the guy who's gonna get hit by a car and is like hi i found your wallet and you're gonna get hit by a car and he's like you're terrible and also you stole my wallet yeah he's like i can't believe you stole my wallet and is this how you get your rocks off by trying to scare people and it turns out that he's married to the weight watchers lady from earlier oh no and she's like and the weight watchers lady's like you can't believe her she's a phony and a fraud and she obviously hates us and wants to destroy us and Alyssa Milano is like, no, you're going to get hit by a car. I'm trying to stop you from being hit by a car. Also, how did I steal your wallet if I brought back your wallet and it still has all of your stuff in it? Yeah, you just got drunk at the bar and left it there. Drunky. But she notices that he doesn't have the briefcase that he has when uh, he gets hit by the car. So she's like, oh, okay, just tell me when you have your briefcase and are going to get hit by the car yeah also she says to him i can't tell you how i know this but if you go outside you'll die and it's like you can tell him how you know that there's literally a sign with your face downstairs that says the amazing phoebe so just tell them you're a real psychic that's how you know and look i know a lot of people would not be inclined to believe that but the woman is mad at you for saying she gained weight, but also she must know she gained weight. So a part of her will not, hopefully doesn't want her husband to die and will be like, look, I don't like it, but this bitch is actually a psychic. I don't know. I, I don't know. She does seem like the kind of woman who wants her husband to die. It's true. <laughs> yeah. They seem like they got married because they're both the worst people they know. <laughs> oh, so true. So speaking of terrible people... Uh, Prue goes into her office to see a bunch of flowers sitting on her desk, and she goes over to to smell the flowers, and the door closes, and Andy was behind the door. Uh, creepy. Why would you do that, Andy? Also, Prue tells him that bribery is a crime, which is not as good a burn as she thinks it is. And he's like, look, I'm sorry, but I have an ex-wife, and I wasn't trying to hide it from you, it just didn't come up in the month or so we've been dating she's like the worst thing is that you hid this from me it's like he didn't hide it from you i just i'm sure if you had asked he would have brought it up yeah I... oh. it is strange that his ex-wife is in san francisco i guess she could just be visiting yeah. I, I assumed it was someone he married when he was working in portland it makes sense to me that she's coming that she's passing through town yeah also it makes sense to me that he wouldn't bring it up in the month or so that they've been dating because you know what's weird to do on a date talk about your exes talk about your exes all the time i mean how much do you talk about roger Prue? right oh, that might be a bad example i bet she talked about roger a lot i bet she was like talking about how she slept with her boss and he screwed her over mm. both professionally and personally and then andy brings up how secretive prue is yeah he's like look there's a lot of stuff i know you're not telling me 
remember the whole thing with you being at the scene of a murder very recently ago. Yeah, and then Prue's like, well, that's totally different. But you can tell that she feels guilty because she's not telling her boyfriend of one month that she's a witch. Yeah. Mm. Hey, um, this is something I really feel like I should know, but quick aside here. Mm-hmm. The no personal gain thing is a rule of magic. But is the not telling people you're a witch thing an actual rule? Or is it just a guideline so you don't get burned at the stake? Okay, the thing about that is later in the show, they'll establish there are two levels of mystical security to keep the magic world under wraps oh right i forgot about the cleaners they're the cleaners much later and there's a group of demons who kills human people who find out about demons earlier okay but but in both cases they only interfere when it's about to when whatever happens is about to make magic a widespread known fact the uh, girl who gets killed by demons who finds out about demons was about to publish a paper where she discovered Something, 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 magic is real and demons are a real thing. But when the show opens, there are women who are Wiccans just walking around being Wiccans and not hiding that they do magic. Yeah, I think it's only if you're revealing your magic to the general public. I feel like there's not a rule about doing it just to singular people. Well, what about the people who open, like, the Wiccan stores? I'm I'm just saying it gets fuzzy when it's, when we start off with, a thing that's an actual thing in the real world and then we're like ah but secretly all of these women who call themselves wiccans are actually powerful witches well some of them because we get a fake witch later in the show where there's a demon that needs to kill 13 witches and he's after this woman who's a wiccan which apparently counts but doesn't have powers out of it i mean that makes sense it's a religion i uh... which i really wish that this show had done more world building in regards to this sort of thing uh-huh we talked a little bit about how the sisters don't really seem to have friends outside of actually they just they have guys that they date but they don't really and daryl and daryl but they don't really seem to have friends at all they and... definitely don't and they don't have a support system yeah they don't really have connections to the mystical community Outside of the weird fairy tale stuff we get later in the show. And when we get flashback episodes where we see their ancestors, their family, they always seem to have a large support system. Yeah. Like, what happened to that magical community? Maybe they all went to magic school. But Well, at magic school, like, why, why these three sisters alone don't have a magic community is confusing to me. Yeah, it's... I think it's more of a failure of the show later... Not so much early on, but even so, the fact that Charmed doesn't really build in how magic coexists in the real world at any point. Yeah, well, for instance, a plot point in Phoebe's plot is that for some reason, somehow, she's not supposed to tell people she's a witch or a psychic. But now we're back with Piper, who is talking to John Cho's mother, who knows the existence of demons... And has amulets to protect herself. And and for some reason, Piper can't just say, hey, your son's ghost is right there. He's how I know how to speak Chin- the very little Chinese I know how to speak. Because she's, uh, the mother's talking to Piper in Chinese. And Piper is waiting for Mark to translate it and then tell her what to say back. 
Yes. And the whole thing, you'd think the mother would kind of pick up on it because she notices that Piper keeps on looking to the side before speaking. Yeah. I, I feel like Piper really legitimately could just say, your son's ghost contacted me. You need to take care of this. Exactly. And the problem is when she goes to tell her to that she needs to take care of the burial, John Cho's mother does not yet know that John Cho is dead. She's worried about him. She hasn't seen him in several days. And Piper, despite John Cho's urging that, you know, she tell his mother what's going on, just says she hasn't seen him either and she is also worried. Yeah. It's, there's, there's legitimately no good reason for her not to tell Mark's mother. Yeah. It's confusing to me. I feel so bad for Mark in this, uh, in this scene too, because there's a bit where he's trying to get his mom's attention after like Piper tells her she doesn't know where Mark is and she starts going back in and he kind of chases after her and gets deflected by the, uh, by the amulet. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, he really sells that this is hard for him, that he, he's something else now and he's realizing that he can't ever get back to his old life okay that's so much more like meaningful than what i was gonna say uh what were you gonna say the actress who's playing his mother looks way too young to be his mother yes that is also true (laughs) also i just have to wonder like later in life she has to be wondering who this girl was who showed up at her door one day and then came to the funeral and didn't talk to her and then she never saw again well i'm assuming that she just thinks that this is mark's white girlfriend who he never told her about because she's white because mark tells uh piper earlier that like his mom keeps on calling him like he feels guilty for not spending more time with his mom like he saw her for his birthday but mostly he just gets the occasional phone call from her asking why uh, he hasn't settled down with a nice chinese girl yet yeah so i think she's just always going to assume that piper was his girlfriend who he never introduced her to because she's white sad yeah i mean she had to notice that she was at the funeral right she was standing like right next to the coffin it was very obvious god poor mark although i mean i I think it's probably not great to do but if i was piper i might want to pick up the it's a little figure yeah yeah we've been saying amulet but it's a little figure if i was her i might pick that up for in case yama comes back I don't know if it can stop you. I, I I was actually wondering why they couldn't just use that against Diyama, but I guess they couldn't because... It would be shoving. Well, yeah. she just needs to get it between Mark and Yama. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, Yama's gonna give up, right? I mean, there's a lot of dead people out there. I mean, isn't it like... Well, eventually, Mark will be properly buried, and then he won't be free game anymore. Yeah. Phoebe is helping Prue clean... Which is kind of a nice domestic touch. I also like this thing where Phoebe puts on gloves before she starts cleaning. And you could tell she really doesn't even know how to get the gloves on. Like, just to show how seldom she cleans. This is just a really good piece of stage business. So, Phoebe's been avoiding Prue because she wanted to get Prue a gift, but she couldn't because she hadn't made enough money psychicking yet. And now she feels guilty because she had this vision of this guy and... She ends up telling Prue everything, that she had a vision of a guy getting hit by a pink Cadillac, which... Her visions are in black and white. Yeah, but apparently she sees them in color. Yeah, I guess we just see them in black and white. Prue surprises her by not getting mad at her for working as a psychic. She's like, yeah, no. And Prue is also pleasantly surprised that Phoebe actually wants to help someone. 
yeah it's it's a really good moment between the two of them where prue is sort of acknowledging that over the past month or so since becoming a witch phoebe's grown up a lot that she's got a lot more responsibility now although i will say that she tells prue that she managed to keep this guy protected for now by breaking off a key in his hotel room door so that he would be trapped in there but this is a really good scene and it does sort of tie into the character development that they've had over the past few episodes and it is nice to see follow-up on that sort of thing yeah definitely because definitely early prue would have been super pissed about this which is unreasonable and by early prue i mean prue of maybe last episode yeah well i mean we're only on episode four so piper and john cho come in and they turn on the tv so that they can know what happened because they're going to turn on the tv and it's immediately going to be a news story about the discovery of the body now imagine the impact if that had come on right when i turned on the tv (laughs) yeah so it turns out that The body has been identified as Tony Wong, who is the guy who actually shot John Cho. Yes, he is the head of a gang in Chinatown. And the reason he killed John Cho is to fake his own death. He'll say later in the episode it's because they look alike, which I guess they're both Asian men. But past that, no, not they're not even the same height. They don't actually look alike. Also, the body was burned beyond recognition, so it doesn't matter. Like, I don't think they established enough why John Cho was targeted, because he was definitely targeted. It wasn't just wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, and they should know it's not Tony, because he's taller. Well, I mean, he was burned beyond recognition. Does that make you not, like, he's noticeably taller than Tony, though. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to send his bones to the Jeffersonian to, like, calculate how high, he, how tall he was. They're not going to do dental records or anything either? I. Well, okay, they definitely should have done dental records. In they... fact, later, they're going to say that they figure out it actually is John Cho from dental records. So, there's no, I mean, he had the guy's ring, I guess, but... Okay, I do have to say, I feel like in the real world, not on, like, CSI or other procedural shows... If there's a piece of circumstantial evidence that it is a specific person, and you don't have any reason to think it's someone else, you don't go digging further. I guess. Also, there's probably some racism involved here. Yeah, that's probably true, too. While they're watching this show, speaking of, as we were earlier, Phoebe's visions being super, super useful this episode... She has a vision of where he is right at this moment. Where Tony is. Yes, and not only does she see where he is, but there's a sign behind him in kanji that says the name of where he is. And I like how she manages to hold on the vision. She's like, I'm holding on the vision, give me a pen. And then she writes out the kanji so that John Cho can tell them where it is. Which, I do like that she has a vision to tell them that he's alive, and John Cho's like, well, duh, That's, right? that was my body. <laughs> John Cho's like, we already had that piece of information. He's going to this place with Piper to get photographic evidence that uh, Tony is still alive. So they'll, you know, use dental records to find out who the body actually is. Yeah, sure. When they get up to the room where the office, he also has one of those figurines that keeps ghosts out. And Piper just tosses it off the door. She's like, there, problem solved. (laughs) It's pretty great. 
So she just bursts into the room, freezes everyone, takes a newspaper that has Tony Wong found dead on the as the headline, puts it in Tony's hands, takes a picture of it, and then runs out. I love that apparently this guy being killed was front page news. Apparently he's a pretty well-known gangster. I guess. But it's too bad she... Uh, she's held freezes for longer than this. Well, but she can't control how long they're frozen. Yeah. Also, I think she can't immediately freeze after everyone unfreezes. At least not at this level. So she drives very, very slowly away from the building. Slowly enough away that he's able to chase after her and write down the license plate number of her car. I think it's interesting how Phoebe had the vision and then took a pen and wrote down the name of the of the it was a distributor warehouse warehouse, yeah she wrote down the name of the warehouse on her palm and we now see tony writing the license plate on his palm in like the same manner i was about to say this is a big episode for writing stuff on your hands oh well yeah piper drops off the uh picture at the police station and she's like i dropped it into and uh into andy's mailbox and john shows like my fate is in the hands of a guy named Andy, which I feel like Andy is a pretty common... Uh, Andy's a fine name. It's fine. Unless you feel like it's childish and it should be Andrew. I guess if he is a big cop, he probably shouldn't be going by Andy. Yeah, I guess. Like, if if you're a very important person, you probably don't go by Billy. You probably go by William. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So apparently Piper dropped into inner office mail the picture of Tony and a little note that said, The body actually belongs to Mark. <laughs> so... Piper is standing by uh, her car door, kind of flirting with uh, Mark. And she talks about how uh, she's playing it. Like, he, he's still concerned that Tony might target her. And she's like, don't worry, I'm, I'm staying safe. Even though I like you a lot, I have no intention of joining you. Which, oh, Piper, you're going to die so many times over the course of this show. <laughs> Oof. Well, then Andy shows up and is like, hi, Hallowell sister, standing there talking to herself like a normal person. I do appreciate, though, he does just assume she's talking to herself. I feel like in TV, when somebody's, like, having a conversation with an invisible creature, it's always like, oh, um, um, but, you know, people talk to themselves all the time. Yeah. He says, my mother called it interesting conversations with an interesting person. And Piper's like, mm-hmm. Yeah. He also wants to know what the deal is with Prue and whether she's still mad at him or not. And I love that Mark is like, oh, he's that Andy. This is why I wish that he had stuck around. Yeah, it definitely, definitely should have been Piper and her ghost boyfriend. She tells Andy, like, give Prue a couple days and she'll calm down. And Andy accepts that and leaves, even though that's terrible advice. So Mark tells her, like, look, I want to take you somewhere. And she's like okay and then she has to open the car door for him because he can't touch it although you'd think he could go through it but you're right he could i guess i would feel weird back at the hotel phoebe is still chasing this guy down trying to get him to not get hit by a car yeah and he's... I, and i'm just like phoebe let him get hit by a car like he's being such a huge douche about this he's like I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, like, is this some weird sex thing for you? I, I'm going to call hotel security and have you arrested. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, he leaves and 
just as in her vision, he drops his briefcase, almost gets hit by the car, but then she runs and knocks him out of the way. And is like, saved your life, asshole! Yeah. Oh, and the wife was right there, which makes me think that the wife paid the guy in the pink Cadillac to run him over. Oh, it all makes sense now. That's why the wife wasn't like, yes, this girl is genuinely psychic. Because why was the wife right there? She wasn't there when Phoebe was telling him that he was about to be hit right. by a car. Right, she was just on the street ready to watch him get hit by a car. Huh. Huh. So, Mark has brought Piper to his apartment. We very recently saw a movie oh. that sort of ties into this. I know. That we're not going to talk about because apparently spoilers, even though it's in the title of the movie. People are so sensitive to spoilers, even in the case of this movie, when it's so incredibly obvious. Like right off the bat. It, it's just kind of weird that we're talking about this episode right after watching that movie. Yes, definitely. So, Piper So Piper goes through his bookshelf as an, and is impressed by, you know, how many smart books he has. And he tells her to go get this wooden box, which is filled with the recipes that his father translated that have been passed down through his family for generations. And he wants her to take them now. It is kind of neat because he talks about how uh, they were his grandfather's recipes, but his dad translated uh, them to English for him when he was little. Uh Uh-huh. And how he wants her to have them because it's a way part of him can be with her. It's nice. It is really nice. And he talks about how she should use the recipes for her sister's... uh, birthday party and he also says that you should force her to have a party because you never know how many birthdays you're gonna have which yeah unintentional foreshadowing because prue does not have that many birthdays left yeah as you said this is she's got like what one two more after this got like yeah two more after this it is kind of a nice bittersweet moment yeah back at hellowell manor Prue is just sitting in the living room being sad because she doesn't know what to do about Andy. And Phoebe comes in all excited and jazzed because she, you know, saved a life. And it turns out it's really fun to save people's lives. So now, four episodes into Charmed, they decided maybe they should use their powers to save people. I feel like it's the premise of the show, but okay, whatever. Yeah, fair. Which, Prue's like, Phoebe, you look awful, which she doesn't. She looks like 90s Alyssa Milano. I think I she's know. got, like, one hair out of place. Yeah, her hair's a little bit must. But Phoebe talks about how she realizes that being a witch isn't something that should hold them back from opportunities, that it's opening up their lives. It's not closing them down. And seriously, no one cares about your shit with Andy. Get over it. Oh, my God. I'm so tired of hearing her talk about, like, Oh, Andy kept a secret from me, but I'm keeping a secret from Andy. Can I be with a guy that I have to keep secrets from? It's four episodes in. This plot shouldn't be this tired already. It's been every episode. Oh, yeah. They should They should just date demons. <laughs> or maybe witches. Uh, as we said, they know no other witches. Which would be a good reason to get out in the community a little more, but... So Piper and Mark return back to the manor and oh so this is this is the scene this is the scene that is so secondhand awkward oh my god so much embarrassment so but 
it really feels like the end of a first date. Well, so they're being really romantic with each other, but obviously they're, you know, he's, he's intangible. But she, like, reaches up her hand and, like, holds it next to his face and is like, close your eyes and pretend that you can feel my hand on your skin. And, and then he does, and she, like, strokes the air next to his face. It's, I'm so embarrassed for them. It's, it's genuinely embarrassing, but it's also really sad because Piper tries to kiss him and she can't, and then they both... So they just do some floor kissing. Yeah, they... <laughs> See, at first, at first I, I was with you, I was like, it's secondhand really embarrassing and awkward, but... It, upon rewatch, it's actually just really depressing. I mean, yes, it is definitely depressing. Like, I I mean, I feel like it's intentionally a sad thing where there are these two people who have this really strong connection that get on really well and they can't touch. Okay, when you put it that way, it sounds like beautiful and tragic, but it looks awkward and weird that's the thing it is logistically awkward and weird it's one of the things that you can't actually act out because it would look goofy instead of sad and it does and then thank god that we're interrupted by gangsters breaking in and kidnapping piper yes this incredibly awkward moment is interrupted by gangsters opening the door because she didn't lock it and grabbing her looney tune style and pulling her out oh it's like a giant hook came from off stage and pulled her off. <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly what it's like. Her sisters chase after her and they are like, oh, we'll call the police from the car because we're definitely going to chase her down instead of not. I like how Mark tries to defend her but can't because he's a ghost. Oh, poor Mark. And he's like, women who have physical bodies that can actually do stuff come in here and save Piper. In the warehouse where they're holding her, she's like, hey, how about if you only untie my arms so I can freeze everyone with my witch powers? And they're like, nice try, witchy. <laughs> and at the police station, Andy finds the picture of Tony Wong. And I don't know why finding this picture makes him realize Tony Wong is the one who must have kidnapped Piper. Piper's been kidnapped. She's definitely at this warehouse. Like, all of these things occur to him just from this one photograph. If I was Piper, I would have written down the address of the warehouse on the back of it because that's where she knows their base is. I mean, maybe she did, but he, he puts a lot together really fast. So, Prue and Phoebe run into the building and Prue's just telekinetically tossing gangsters around. Which is awesome. When they burst through the door, Tony pulls out a gun and shoots at them. And I guess that was the motivation Piper needed to break the rope. Because she manages to break the rope and move her hands and freeze time now. Yeah. So. I mean, I guess it wouldn't have done her very much good to freeze time when she was tied to the chair. Yeah, I guess not. They, uh, they untie Piper and time unfreezes and Prue throws Tony down the stairs. <laughs> And then when he runs out the door, all of the cops are there, because I guess Andy got all that great information. And at first he puts his hands up when he sees he's surrounded by cops, and then he's like, you know what, no, I'm going to try to shoot my way out of this situation. And he fires one shot at Andy's car, and Andy kills him. Yeah, okay, so then they shoot him dead in the middle of the street. And look, he is the villain, and he burned John Cho to death. Well, I mean, he shot John Cho, and then he burned his body. And he was trying to kill the girls, but 
I can't be okay with the ending being cops shot a guy in cold blood that they definitely could have apprehended. Well, no, that's why they had him fire off a shot at Andy. I don't get why he did that. He had his hands up and then he's like, wait a second, there's only a dozen cop cars surrounding me. I bet if I shoot this one guy, like they had to have him shoot at Andy. I mean, they needed him to be dead for this next scene. It's just, it's not going to sit okay with me. Yeah, which is understandable. It's, there, there's really no reason why he shouldn't have just gone to jail. Yeah, well, I mean... I mean, he had to die because he saw the sisters do magic. Well, he had to die so they could have this next scene where we see his soul come out of his body. And unlike John Cho, does not figure out what's going on right away. Which is weird because he's the one who had the little protection thing. Yeah, he did. Maybe his mom gave it to him. Oh, yeah. So he's, you know, out of his body and he's like, oh no. He's ghost chasing. He's ghost chasing the sisters and Mark. And Mark's like... So... He says, when he sees Mark, he says, but you're dead. And Mark's like, yeah, so are you. Then Yama shows up and we all remember that moment when John Cho was like, maybe ghosts should be afraid of me. And he like grabs Tony by the lapels and throws him onto Yama's spear. Yep. And Tony gets sucked into hell. And then Yama's like, okay, remember how I don't care about good and evil? I just want souls of bodies that haven't been properly buried. Your turn now. And... I do really like, there's sort of a mirroring of Prue's body language in the first episode when she pushes uh, her sisters behind her, uh-huh. where Piper goes in front of the spear, and they form sort of a phalanx around Mark to protect him from Yama, and she's like, hey, I know you're Yama and you eat souls or whatever, but this is a good man, and you're not going to touch him or I will use my magic to fucking flay you. And then Yama's like... All right, I already got a soul. It's not worth my trouble. And then he leaves. I mean, you'd think he would have ditched the whole Mark thing earlier, given how much trouble this one spirit was getting him. There's a lot of people dying around. Yeah, it's true. So speaking of a lot of people dying, we go from this scene to Mark's funeral, where, as I said, all three sisters are standing, like, right next to the casket. Yeah. Like, they should definitely be standing, like, in the back behind everybody, right? They should. They're being very conspicuous here. It's weird. But, you know, they're at the funeral. Everyone is sad, like you are at a funeral. Okay, so I keep on going to the music cues here because, uh, like, they could not afford a lot of the music for licensing. Yeah, we were watching watching this show on Netflix, streaming on Netflix, and it's clear that a lot of the music is substitutions for what was actually on when it was originally airing. Which... I always try to think about what song would be playing in here. I'm something boys to many. Ah, yeah, that makes sense. But it's instead of this very generic, I, I, I would like to watch like a documentary or something about the studio musicians who come up with these replacement songs. Oh, I would watch that. Yeah. Because I feel like there's probably a bunch of really interesting stories there. But John Cho goes over to Piper. God, they are right there. They're standing right next to his coffin. Everyone's sitting like, there's a there's an area for the audience or whatever you call it at a funeral. I guess. But the sisters are standing right next to his fucking coffin. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's weirdly blocked. So he goes over to Piper and he tells her he wishes and she's like, you don't need to say it, I know. And then he does the thing where he, like, puts his hand next to her face and pretends to stroke it. It's super awkward. Prue and Phoebe kind of look away. 
And it's, it is a genuinely really sad moment, um, when they say goodbye, and then Mark's ghost dad shows up. Yeah, his ghost dad shows up to bring him to ghost heaven, I guess. And they did That's not- just heaven. They did not pay his dad for lines. Yeah, he's just standing off in the distance, and John shows like, that's my dad. Time to go, I guess. My dad's here to pick me up, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then he leaves. He goes off into the afterlife with his dad. God damn it. Why weren't you the love interest? I mean, I know the blocking was kind of... It just makes me think, Pushing Daisies did such a good job establishing a relationship between two people who can't touch. Yes! And it would have been cool to see something like that, but I guess it's different than in Pushing Daisies because they could touch other objects, just not each other. Yeah. And it probably would have been too expensive to... The reason they had him hand hover and her doing that is because it would be too expensive to do effects where he's going through her all the time. Yeah. But... And it would have looked terrible. It would have looked terrible. But it would have been a really interesting plot thing, and I, I, I could always use more John Cho in my life. Absolutely. So, Max, what do you think is the most inappropriate thing to do after a funeral? Uh, throw a surprise party? <laughs> Literally, they are walking in the door from the funeral, and surprise, Prue, happy birthday! <laughs> And we see that Phoebe did actually buy Prue a present, which she hands to her. We don't know what it is, but... It is a present. She got, like, a $20 tip right off the bat. She could have got her, like, a not-terrible scarf or something. No, I think it cost $20 per reading, and then also... Tips. And then also tips. So, this is one of those things with shows where, you know, we're never... Who are all of these people? Oh, yeah, right? The party people? Yeah, uh, there's a TV trope about it. 24-hour party people. Yeah, we, we've been talking all episode about how they don't have any friends, and yet their party is full. Also, when did they get invitations? Too many questions. It doesn't matter. So, I enjoyed this episode more the second time around. I, I like this episode, yes. I, I do like this episode. I, I like the relationship between Piper and John Cho. Um, I... Why does it seem like Piper's getting all the stronger plots just right off the bat? It really does. Well, we talked about that a little bit last week. Uh, you know, who's the main character of each season? Yeah, and Prue is definitely the main character here, but Piper is getting all of the stronger storylines. I'm actually starting to think maybe Piper might be the main character of this season. Really? Yeah, maybe Prue never gets to be a main character. Because, Oof, yeah. Depressing. You know, we had, we had a storyline where she comes to grips with what it means to be a witch, we had an episode, now in this episode her plot is like, this... Still coming to terms with being a witch? Well, no, it's this romantic relationship. It's like, how do you how do you deal with this romantic aspect of it? And let me tell you, that's way more interesting than Prue's, Samantha Stevens, oh, can I date a mortal as a witch? Nonsense. Prue's plotline for the last many episodes has just been redefining her relationship with one dude. I know! I'm so tired of that dude. Maybe that's why his acting was so wooden in this episode. Maybe he's tired of himself, too. Like, if they're not going to give me anything to do, then fine. Right? Uh, so, segments? Okay, so our first segment, Premonition, where we look into the future and see which minor character, uh, which guest star or minor character will become famous in the future. And I think we were pretty upfront about this episode starring baby john cho he's so cute he is so cute oh my goodness little 23 year old john cho Aww. 
uh, our next segment is time freeze. What specifically stuck this in the nineties? Did you have something? Oh, I, I had yeah, I have several things actually. My my only thing was getting a job out of a newspaper. Uh, mine was sending paper invitations to a party. Oh yes. Also using actual keys in a hotel. Oh yeah, that struck me as really weird. Yeah. Both both the key that Andy gives to. Peru because they're going to go to a hotel. Also, when Phoebe says that she broke the key off in the door so that they couldn't get out. Yeah, I, I was thinking even the, in the 90s, you had the... Yeah, I mean, Pretty Woman is from the 80s, and that's got the line where he's like, I miss keys. Yeah. Because he can't use the card. I mean, I guess it's a psychic hotel and a spa that they're staying at. Yeah, I guess if it's an older hotel, maybe it hasn't converted to key cards yet. That's probably part of the aesthetic or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Although they should have probably established it better. Yeah. If that was the aesthetic of the hotel. <laughs> and our last uh, segment, telekinesis. What moved you this episode? Um, for me, it was Piper and John Cho saying goodbye at the funeral. That was, I, I, I genuinely teared up at that moment. Especially when his dad appears to like take him into the afterlife. There were a lot of John Cho Piper moments that I liked a lot. Uh, I might actually, though, give it to... The scene where Phoebe tells Prue what she's been doing and Prue accepts it because I feel like it is payoff for uh, Phoebe's early character arcs. That makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. But also, yes, all of the John Cho Piper stuff where they're not playing with the fact that they can't physically touch. All of the non-physically touching, all of the non-not physically touching stuff is pretty moving. Well, I, for me, it wasn't so much the non-not physically touching stuff. It was the actual saying goodbye that was really sad to me. No, that was... Yeah. So next week's episode is Dream Sorcerer. And the Netflix description is, After Piper and Phoebe cast a spell to dream up romantic interest... Oof. That sounds like, sounds like personal gain that, to me. But that... as, after Piper and Phoebe cast a spell to dream up romantic interests, the Dream Sorcerer tries to get back at Prue after she rebuffs him at a club. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be. I, if I remember this episode correctly, this is basically someone saw a Nightmare on Elm Street and decided to make an episode of Charmed out of it. But with romance. So I think that does it for this week. Yeah, I think that'll about do it. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor. 